It is so good to see everybody this morning. I missed you last week. I'm so glad to be uh, back with you. Uh, we had a wonderful trip. Uh, the Applebee's and Kevin Mims and myself had a wonderful trip to Estonia last Sunday morning. At this time, we were worshiping with our church family there. And please do uh, remember our brothers and sisters in Estonia, in Nicaragua, in South Texas, in Mexico, all over the world. Our family this morning is worshiping the same God, celebrating the same resurrection, being a part of the same meal that we are a part of, the same fellowship, the same hope, the same body. So remember our brothers and sisters around the world in your prayers. Speaking of prayers, I remember the first time, I may have shared this story with you before, but I remember probably the first time that somebody asked me to say a public prayer that wasn't at my house. Uh, my Bible class teacher, her name was Mrs. Kite, and Mrs. Kite asked me to say the, the prayer before Bible class on Sunday morning, and I was kind of nervous, you know, and so she asked me to pray, and, and I started the prayer the same way I started every prayer, uh, you know, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food we're about to eat. And that was the reaction of the other kids in class. And, of course, Mrs. Kite told me afterwards, we're, we're not actually going to eat anything. And so, you know, she told me I was wrong, and then that crushed my little spirit. But I, I prayed that because thanking God for my food was one of the primary themes of my prayers. It may have been, at the time, the only primary theme of my prayers. And then as I got older... Some other themes that started to come into my prayers were, you know, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my friends. Uh, petitioning God for safe travels. That became a prominent theme in my prayers. Uh, petitioning God for the healing of my friends and my family. Here's what I've discovered, what I think about the way Christians pray. We pray about what we care about. Isn't that true? We pray about what we care about. And so our prayers tend to say a lot about us. If we were to just stop and think about what are the primary themes of our prayers, it would probably reveal a lot about us. What do you care about? What do you think a lot about? What, what's really important to you? What's at the center of your life? So here I want to ask this question this morning, and I have us to think about this not only this morning, but also as you go to life group this afternoon, think about this question. Based on the common themes of your prayers, who is at the center of your life? If our prayers say a lot about us, if our prayers tell us what we care about, then if we were to look at the themes of our prayers, we might say, this reveals who is at the center of my life. When I pray, when you pray, we, we tend to pray about my friends, my family, my food, my house, my car, my travels, my life. So who is at the center of my life if all my prayer themes begin with my, my my, my. And I'm not saying those things are wrong to pray about, but we tend to have very little prayers, prayers that revolve around us, don't we? At least I do. I tend to have prayers that revolve around me, 
my family, my travels, my health, my friend's health, my family's health, my country, my feelings, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my health. Am I at the center of my life? If I'm at the center of my prayer life, then I might be at the center of my life. See, Jesus, though, teaches us a different way to pray. When Jesus teaches his apostles to pray, do you notice that it doesn't begin with my, but your? Let's look at a passage that we probably know well, Matthew chapter 6. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He even begins this passage by saying, pray then like this. Our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you notice that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I grew up being sort of averse to reciting prayers. I don't know if you grew up that way too, but I grew up sort of averse to reciting prayers. I felt like prayers needed to come from a person's heart, that they needed to be spontaneous, that we needed to just, just pray whatever we just thought up on the spot. And I'm not saying that's wrong to do, but, but there's something to be said for the fact that for 2,000 years, Christians have believed that not only Jesus was generally teaching his disciples how to pray, but that this prayer itself ought to be prayed that it sort of gives us tracks to run on. And, and I think about songs, you know? I mean, if I was to ask somebody to come up and lead a song, we would expect that that person would lead a song out of the book, right? Something that's already written down, sort of tracks to run on. We wouldn't expect that the person just come up here and just wing it, right? Just make up a song on the spot. But we often expect ourselves to do that when it comes to prayer. Both in our public praying and in our private praying, we tend to just make up our prayers on the spot. And th there's a lot of good in that. And a lot of our prayers should be like that. But we sort of default to certain ways of praying, don't we? When we just pray with whatever's on our mind and on our heart, we just sort of make it up on the spot. We sort of default to praying about my life and my health and my family and my friends and my country and what's going on in my world, my hopes, my dreams, my fears. And our prayers tend to be very, very small. But Jesus teaches us to have bigger prayers. Prayers that focus on God's name that his name might be hallowed in the earth. That the world might come to know and respect the name of God. Prayers that revolve around his kingdom and his kingdom coming. Prayers that revolve around God's will being done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now again, don't get me wrong, it's good to pray about your family's health. And it's good to thank God for the things that God has given you. 
It's good to have very specific prayers. But who is at the center of your prayer life? Jesus teaches his disciples to have prayers that revolve around God, around the name of God, around the will of God, around the glory of God. And I was thinking about this prayer, and I was thinking about the fact that I'm really trying to incorporate this prayer into my family's prayer life. Not every night, but most nights I start my prayer with my family with this prayer. Because I want them to sort of have tracks to run on and for their prayers to be bigger than just, please bless this food that we're about to eat. I want them to have a prayer life that revolves around the name of God, the glory of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. I want them to have, I want me to have, I want us to have prayers with a great big vision that revolve around our great big God. And I was thinking about this prayer that we tend to call the Lord's Prayer as he taught his disciples how to pray And then I was thinking about, because we're in the Gospel of John this year, I was thinking about Jesus' prayer. We sometimes call it the high priestly prayer in John 17. And the similarities between this sort of outline for prayer and Jesus' actual prayer that he prays to his Father in heaven in John 17. So if you've got your Bible, John 17, verses 1 through 5 is where we'll spend the, the rest of our time. Now this is, again, Jesus, the night that he's going to be betrayed, And the whole Gospel of John has been sort of building up to all of this that's going to happen on this very night. And Jesus, when he'd spoken and he taught his disciples about what's coming and what's going to happen and what life is going to be like and about the spirit that's going to come and guide them and help them, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now that's, again, a theme all throughout John, isn't it? Jesus keeps saying, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. The hour is coming. And now finally he prays, the hour has come. For what? Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now again, we talked about, we had a whole series on glory a few weeks ago. Do you remember? And we talked about how glory is more than just like praising. Sometimes we think about glorify just means like say nice things about or or to thank or to praise God. But it's more than that. Glory has to do with status and reputation, especially as it pertains to a king. And think about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying glorify the son that the son may glorify the father, may glorify you. And think about what Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer. Your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus is praying about himself being glorified, that is to be lifted up and to be given a status and a reputation, a position of rulership and as king, Lord, God, Father, make me king. Why? Why? So that you will be glorified, so that your kingdom will come. 
Isn't that what Jesus' ministry is all about? Is to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom of heaven, and that's exactly what he's praying about here. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come, glorify the Son so that the Son may glorify you, he's saying, lift me up to the position of authority and power, and especially in the Gospel of John, where is that position of being lifted up? On the cross, isn't it? Lift me up on the cross. Glorify me. Make me king, not for my own sake. Jesus isn't doing any of this for his own sake. But that through his glorification, through his being lifted up, through his being crowned as king, God, the Father, may be glorified. That the Son may glorify you. So here's here's my question that I've been thinking about this week and I want us to think about. I want us to think about it right now and as you go to life group and as you go throughout your afternoon, is the glory of God, glory, status, reputation, kingship, rulership, is the glory of God, God's reign as king, a major theme in your prayers? That's humbling to me. Because it's not always a major theme in my prayers. Is the glory of God, God's status, his rulership, his authority, the hallowing of his name, the respect for his name, his kingdom come, is that a major theme in your prayers? Not just thank you, God, that you gave me all this stuff and that my life is nice or please make my life nicer or please make my life more comfortable, but Father, my prayer is that you rule over more and more hearts and minds that your kingdom come. God's glory, God's kingdom, God's name, God's reputation. Now look at verse 2. Since you have given him, that is the Son, Jesus, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You've given me the authority to go into the world and to give people life for the age to come. That's what eternal life is. Life for the age to come. You've given me the authority. You're going to give me the kingship and the rulership, the glory. You're going to lift me up so that I can give and continue to give eternal life, life for the age to come. And this is how people are going to have that life is through knowing you and knowing me. So, is eternal life and knowledge of God major themes in your prayers? Are we praying things like, may the world come to know you through Jesus Christ, your son? Is that something that you pray? Again, you have to be, I have to be taught to pray that. Anybody that, anybody, anybody that's anybody, anybody that believes in any God, 
would naturally pray for their own food and their own family and their own people, their own tribe, their own country. Everybody would, would automatically pray for their own stuff. But being followers of Jesus means we have bigger prayers. That we are praying things like this. That we are praying that the world might come to know God through Jesus Christ, his son. People in our community, do we pray that? Do we pray that, Father, we want Collin County, we want the people in McKinney and Plano and Allen and all Frisco and all of this community, we want these people that do not know you to know you through Jesus Christ, your son, that they might have life for the age to come. We want them to know and experience what we know and what we experience. But are we praying bigger than that? Are we praying for people in the Metroplex? Are we praying for people in Texas? Are we praying for people in our country? Are we praying for people in the world? Last week, when we... When we sang and prayed in Russian, well, I wasn't speaking Russian, but I was listening to them sing and pray in Russian. And then we were singing and praying in English. Just tears just flowed from my eyes. This is our family. It's praising God in every tongue. People all over the world of every tribe and every nation that are coming to know God through Jesus Christ, his son, that are experiencing eternal life, not just in the future, but they have and are experiencing eternal life now because they know the Father and they know the Son just as we do. Are we praying that more and more people experience that? Yes, some days I have a bad day and all I'm praying for and all I want that day is just God help me get through this day. This is a rotten day. I don't need, I need a better day tomorrow. And yes, I get it. But are we praying big prayers? Are we praying evangelistic prayers? Mission-minded prayers? Praying for people all over the world that have not yet come to know God through Jesus Christ, his son. These are the kinds of things for which Jesus was praying on the night he was betrayed. Not just, not just about his own pain and his own suffering, but the mission, the mission that the Father had sent him to accomplish. Listen to verse four. I glorified you on earth. I lifted you up. I established your kingdom having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Again, it sounds almost exactly like what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I glorified you on the earth. I did what you gave me to do. I walked in the good works that you prepared beforehand that I should do them. I did it and I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Do these themes run through our prayers? How often do we pray, Father, you've, you've set good works before me today for me to do. 
Isn't that what Paul says in Ephesians 2 and verse 20? That he's prepared good works for you and I to walk in them. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And it's bigger. It's bigger and it's better and it's more cosmic and epic than just being comfortable and living the American dream. It's bigger than those things. And we have this this epic purpose that's been laid before us. God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we pray, God, strengthen me. Father, strengthen me through your spirit and through your son that I may walk in the good works that you have prepared for me to do. I want to accomplish your will on earth as it is in heaven. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's here's what I tend to pray. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Isn't that amazing? I often tell people, I'm just just glad God lets me be on his team. I'm I'm not kidding when I say that when I was in elementary school the meanest thing that anybody ever did was have team captains you know you remember team captains I hated team captain every time there were team captain for any kind of team I knew West was going to be picked last or even not picked at all you know he's the kid that is like okay yeah I guess you're on our team nobody else picked you know and, I, and that's a, and so I mean God wants you on his team you Personally, individually, he has a purpose for you. He has a calling for you. He has a mission for you. You are a part of what God is doing in the world. And whatever it is, whatever your task is, whatever your opportunities are, those are things God wants you to accomplish. And he will give you the strength and the opportunity and the open doors to accomplish those things. And these must be major themes in our prayers. Shouldn't they be? I'm a part of what God is doing in the world. You are a part of what God is doing in the world. You're a part of what God is doing. I believe, I believe that every single person that you come into contact with, God loves them. And whether or not they're yet his child through Jesus, he's working on them. He wants to draw them to himself. And you are a part of that. Every person that delivers your food through DoorDash or every Uber driver you have or every cashier at the, at the grocery store or every person at work or every person at school, you're a, just a small part of God working in their life. Thank you, God, that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Give us the strength to help accomplish your will on the earth, that your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's here's some questions. Are these major themes in your prayers? Number one, the glory and reign of God. Father, be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever, amen. Is that a major theme in your prayers? Again, this is confession time for me because these things aren't always major themes in my prayers. 
but they ought to be. Number two, knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. May the world come to know you. May the world come to hallow your name, to respect and revere and know your name. May the world come to have eternal life by knowing you and knowing your son, Christ Jesus. Are these major themes in your prayers? And maybe not even general like that, may the world, but Bob or Susie or Fred or George or neighbors you know and love, may they come to know you. May they come to hallow your name. May they come to have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number three, the will of God being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Give me the strength to do your will. Give me the strength to walk in the good works that you have prepared for me to do. Give me the strength that I might fulfill the calling to which I've been called. So here's our moment of truth question. Does God occupy center stage of your prayer life? That's really haunted me this week as I thought about that question. Do I occupy center stage of my prayer life? Is it always about my stuff and my things and my hopes and my dreams and my fears and my kingdom? Or is it about our Father who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray about ourselves, may our prayers about ourselves revolve around the kingdom and the will and the glory of God. Because here's what I think. I think that people who have lives that revolve around the kingdom and the glory and the will of God have prayers that revolve around the kingdom and the glory and the will of God. People who have lives that revolve around God's kingdom and God's glory and God's will will have prayers that revolve around God's kingdom and God's glory and God's will. If these aren't things about which that we are praying, then they're probably not goals that we're trying to accomplish. They're not things that we're living out. And see, as we talk about this chapter the next few weeks, about changing the way that we pray, it's about more than our prayer life. This affects more than, our, than just our prayers. If we, if we become the kind of people who have prayers that revolve around God, where God is center stage of our prayer life, where we're praying that God's will be accomplished and that God be glorified and that his kingdom come and his will be done, if we become the kind of people that these are the major themes of our prayers, imagine how that changes our life. Imagine how it changes the way that we live when this is the way that we pray. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you want to become a part of what God is doing in the world. That's part of what happens at baptism, isn't it? Not only are our sins washed away, we are sanctified to become priests in the world, to go out into the world and to mediate between God and man, to draw people closer to the Father, 
and to bring the Father to the people. To lift up praises of humanity to God as priests. To bring him sacrifices of our hearts and our lips, our lives as a living sacrifice to God. That's the mission on which we are sent when we are baptized into Jesus. But sometimes along the way, we lose sight and we get bogged down and things just pile up on us. And sometimes it's just a bad day and we just need people to pray with us and pray for us. You are a part of our lives. You are a part of what God is doing in the world and there is nothing in the whole world that we would rather do than help you this morning. Our shepherds would love to pray with you and pray for you and we would love to do that as a church family. So right now is a great opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.